introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Rolls out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, look at this! To oh, Mo Williams! Touchdown! You've got to be Alright, alright, we are back with another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. Unfortunately, we don't have the entire crew here. Our man Miles is off traveling for work in Nebraska. Not sure if he's made it to the big city of Omaha yet or if he's still trudging around in the backcountry, but pray for Miles. Hopefully, he'll be back for us next week. But I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working man on draft Twitter, who's added to that mantle now as maybe the hardest working father on draft Twitter, running around with twins, writing an article a day, recording multiple podcasts a week. QB1, my man, JR, how you doing? How you been? Listen, man, nap time for the twins involves them being on my lap and having a writing articles at the same time. So it's crazy, man. <laughs> Multitasking at his finest. Yes. Absolutely. And you know, it's crazy because you you are you are you're breaking the stereotype because oftentimes you will hear people say, and when I say people, I mostly mean women say that men can't multitask. And you are shattering that stereotype right now with all the work that you're doing, putting your application in for Father of the Year while writing articles and podcasting and doing all those things all at the same time. So keep up the good work for men everywhere, JR. Thank you for that. Saxy Prince, I guess on the topic of multitasking is you drive down the road, maybe with somebody in the back paying you for some Uber right now. How you doing? What you been up to, man? In the words of the immortal Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I uh, was late last last week, so I had to make sure I was on time, make sure I, I get my game check and everything. So, yeah, I've been good. Oh, so you're just here to collect the game check. Oh, yeah, just, just, yeah, just here so we don't get fined. You know, Prince is Nigerian. He's not about messing up the money. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get right into it this week. We got uh, some, some things to talk about. Training camp right around the corner. And so uh, we're going to talk about some things that have been, you know, percolating around Vikings Twitter and, you know, the – the blogosphere articles, threads being put up, videos, some really nice articles that have come out lately. And um, obviously, if we're talking Vikings and we're talking this offseason, the topic that comes up most frequently, and it's one that even though both sides say that they're tired of talking about it, the detractors and the supporters cannot stop posting evidence to, to back their side while also saying they're sick of having the same conversation over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And so with all of this conversation, all of this talk, all of these articles being written, of course, we got to talk about Kirk Cousins because he really seems to be all anyone wants to talk about for the second offseason in a row. So before we get into some of the nitty gritty of quarterbacking and maybe some of the nuanced things JR wants to see Kirk Cousins work on as we get into season two, Yinka, I want to get your thoughts on something that I feel bad for not really digging into to you before is that Kirk Cousins kind of came out and said a lot of the things that you've previously said about him directly, indirectly, aggressively, passive aggressively, where he basically said, you know, career to date, maybe I put up some numbers, but I've been a 500 quarterback and that's just frankly not good enough to just kind of summarize what he said. 
And so I am interested. What are your thoughts on on really that moment of uh, of of yeah direct honesty from the Vikings quarterback where he really called out what a lot of his detractors have been saying about him and and really dealt with those things head on. You know, I think it's a combination with, I mean, we've talked about it before that, you know, players are there, even if they won't say it all the time, that there's someone active on social media, they know what the criticisms are about themselves. And I think Kirk is putting himself in the position where, he's going to lean towards more of what the tractors are saying um, so that when he's able to, and what our hope is this season, when he's able to kind of elevate himself, um, then he can really destroy some of those narratives that I don't know if he necessarily believes in, but he knows that the teams that he's been on have, you know, at best gotten to the playoffs and been one and done. So, you know, knowing that he has been um, the quarterback at the helms of those teams, like, do I think there's maybe a part of him who like is trying to be like kind of objective and honest with himself? Yeah, I do. I do think that's the case, but I don't know if he like truly believes that he feels like he's just a 500 quarterback because I think all those, I think all those guys believe that they're starters thinks that they're, they have to believe that they're the best in the game. So, I mean, it's good to hear Kirk say that because I think that means that he knows he needs to elevate his game. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I worry that maybe he's listening to like the doubters a little bit too much and he should just kind of stay on his, um, you know, stay on his path and just like really, really learn, um, how to be more creative, how to play outside of, uh, just kind of being the, the, being the guy who just sticks to the technique does exactly what he's supposed to do. You know, there was a great article that came up, I think last week. Um, about being a, a baker versus being a chef. And I, I think that, you know, that article, I think, does such a great job kind of describing that there's there's just people at, at certain professions who I just want to be really, really good at oh, oh. Saxy Prince, I don't know if right now oh, you're driving uh-oh, through a tunnel, Saxy Prince, but... Um... In in in, in hear me? true Saxy Prince fashion, you are breaking up at the moment. So I am going to just take this thing over to Jr. real quick because I'm sure you're making some really great, some really cogent points. But we can't hear what any of them are right now because we have a bit of interference, and you know that'll happen sometimes. You know, AT and T sometimes drops out when you're going places. Verizon, whoever you got, I don't even know who you're rolling with, but we can't I mean, hear I'm you the right now. So, <laughs> so we're going to slide over to Jr. real quick because I did, you know. Yinka did go through some things there. And I guess I want to get your perspective because, you know, on the one hand, when I read that, it seemed like, you know, just Kirk Cousins was being just frank, honest, open about the fact that, you know, the facts of the matter are is that, you know, career to date, he basically is a 500 quarterback. I guess from your position, someone who's played, um, you know, played the quarterback position, I guess, what are your thoughts about him going out there and just kind of taking that right on the chin, you know, t- uh, I guess really facing his, his detractors and, and the biggest arguments against him head on. And just getting all that stuff out there in terms of, yeah, these are all the things I need to do better. And this is who I've been career to date. Well, it just proves that he reads the news clippings. And I think that's the number one rule that you shouldn't do at the quarterback position just because you start to feel a bit of pressure. And coming in, everyone knew that he was under some pressure just because of the contract that he was given, fully guaranteed the first time that's happened in NFL history. And I know everybody's tired of hearing about it and everything like that, but it just comes with the price tag. 
and there's been other quarterbacks around the league that have come with a certain price tag, but none of their contracts have been fully guaranteed. And uh, to his accustom, it just happened with him. So that's just the nature of the territory that comes with him. And I'm sure that's something that's in the back of his mind, no matter what he thinks or no matter what he says. And him coming out and saying that, I thought it was kind of a positive thing for him just because he's being self-aware. And everyone knows that Kirk Cousins is self-aware. But the biggest issue that I've always had with Kirk Cousins, and that's why I love Mark Schofield's article about a chef versus a baker, is that he definitely is a baker and that he's always going to follow by the the ingredients. He's going to put the right number or the right amount of things to put in that certain food. But when there's time to add a little bit of pizzazz or a little bit of sauce or things go off script, what can you do? And let's say that you overcook a food or something like that. Are you able to overcompensate and readjust in certain aspects in order to still make that food tasty? And that's something that Kirk Cousins hasn't been able to do just because he's so dang robotic. And that's something that I hate about him and that whatever the playbook says, whatever the exact read is, the first, second, third, fourth, or even fifth read, that's exactly what he does. And there isn't any type of manipulation or being able to go off the rails in order to have some type of creativity. And I just would like to see him be, play a little bit more of YOLO ball. And what I mean by YOLO ball is just go out there and sling it. Even though a read says goes here, here, here with the ball, if you see something open or it's not necessarily in that sequential order, you don't have to do that. So that's just something that I want to see him improve upon going into year two. All right. Well, you both brought it up. So obviously we got to talk about it because this article, I think, was a really well done piece. Uh, Mark Schofield over on uh, uh, Matt Waldman's uh, Rookie Scouting Portfolio, RSP. Um, And I'll link to this in the show notes, so listeners, if you want to check it out. But it's a great piece, dropped about a week ago. And basically, they put Kirk Kirk Cousins under the lens and uh, with the idea of Baker a chef. And like Yinka said, Bakers, they're people, they follow the recipe step by step by step by step by step, which if you're baking, you kind of have to do because baking is chemistry versus a chef who maybe you, you can improvise a little bit more and you have to follow some basic concepts or your food's going to come out wrong, but you have a little bit more room to be creative, to maybe go off script, to understand that if you don't have this, you can add some of that and maybe still have your recipe come out the way that it's supposed to. And it put Kurt Cousins on that lens because it was saying that at the end of the day, Kurt Cousins is a baker, which is that he follows the instructions. He, he, he quarterbacks the way that you're supposed to. He quarterbacks very much by the book, And so it's interesting for me listening to you both talk about this because, I don't know, from the outside looking in, if someone says that somebody quarterbacks or plays the quarterback position the way it's supposed to be played, or they go through their reads the way that you're supposed to go through your reads, to me that sounds like a positive thing, but both of you kind of have talked about it in in, in negative terms. JR, I'll start with you here. Help me understand a little bit of what you mean there, maybe going into a little bit more detail about why the idea of him following the play the way it should be followed or playing it the way that it's supposed to go every single time is something that actually ends up hurting Kirk when he's out there playing the position. So you never want to be robotic at the quarterback position. And what I mean by that is every playbook has a certain layout of every play that's established. We've seen the the Bible-like playbook of how just describing the thickness of just how well diverse they are and most teams are really transitioned to the iPad phase, but some teams are old school and they like to hand out still the paper copies. And we've seen Kirk actually tweet out the Vikings playbook and just how thick it was. So every single play that Kevin Stefanski is going to uh, install during that he has installed, I should say, during the spring and over the summer is included within that. And with Kirk, it just seems like he takes his finger down the quarterback portion of the book and he tra- tries to memorize one through five every read in that playbook. And then once he goes out 
and plays on Sundays or whenever the game day is, that's exactly what he does. He goes through that step by step as opposed to sometimes improvising and going off script, especially when things go off the rails. And just to put it in his lamest terms is that if you have a guy that's open down the field, let's say that's maybe the third or fourth read in the progression, but you're still stuck on number one, it's okay to sometimes skip over number one and two, especially if that guy is already open instead of checking to see if one is open, checking to see if two is open, and then getting to three. Sometimes it's okay to skip to three, maybe peak at three if he wins right away and just going to that guy. So that's what I, that's what I mean by not being robotic. And so I guess just to, to, to maybe, uh, maybe try to clarify a little bit. So I guess if there's a position where maybe based on the offense, um, based on the defense and the way they're set up, um, the defense is basically saying your first read should be Laquan Treadwell. And your second read should be Kyle Rudolph. But the way that the play is designed, your last read in the progression is Stefan Diggs. But Stefan Diggs is one-on-one with a rookie corner cornerback. What, yes. I guess is what you're saying is that even though the play is maybe designed for you to go to your maybe your less uh, dynamic receiving options first, based on how the play is designed, what you would like to see happen more frequently is maybe Kirk look to exploit not necessarily the the defensive design but maybe attack a weaker player or a weaker member of the defense by going off script yes and this ben roethlisberger is a great example of that of he doesn't go through progressions a ton especially when he had antonio brown he just finds his best matchup and he gives his guy a chance and that's how really their chemistry was so great just because he has so much trust in AB when he just throw, he threw the ball up, whether that was single or double cover, just because he dictated his matchup no matter what the progression was on that play. And he just made a play out of it. And that's why he's known as a chef as opposed to a baker. And I think that's something I want to see Kirk do a bit more. And I thought he cut it loose in some games. I think uh, the Packers game in the fourth quarter, I believe it was week two. I thought he cut it loose. He was more of a chef in that game. The L.A. Rams game, I thought he played well uh, in some spots. So he has some capabilities of being a chef, but it's just his mentality of always trying to be a baker and being uh, or being precise and being perfect on his reads. He just doesn't need to play like that. And that's why I think he put a lot of pressure on himself last year and this year he just needs to cut it loose. Okay, so Yinka uh... – Again, so I'll kind of ask you this in a, in, a, in a different way because, again, you know, playing the quarterback position the way it should be played, going through the reads the way you should be going through it. Again, all those things sound like positives to me. And then when we've had some back and forth on the timeline about, you know, who are the best chefs of all time? Who are the best bakers of all time? And really number one and two in most of the discussions that I saw were, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. They're both bakers. And so if we're looking at, you know, really two of the greatest, you know, modern era quarterback, Drew Brees being another example um, in, in, in that sense, it seems like the best quarterbacks that we generally see and most quarterbacks in the league, for the most part, are operating on script more than they're operating, operating off script. Um, yeah, I guess from your perspective, why is it that you want to see Kirk lean more to the chef side when the best quarterbacks that we've seen in the last few years or a few decades are bakers well you know it's i mean I, we would say that that's true i mean but i, I do think tom brady and Peyton Manning obviously are anomalies but to me personally i feel like the best quarterbacks maybe in this generation have been more of chefs i mean we look at a guy like aaron Rodgers, and he spent years in an offense that just basically told him be a chef the entire time there's no recipe there's no nothing just go out there and create now, there was some semblance of 
um, of structure that was there. But I mean, basically their offense worked because, because he was so good at creating off that. And then another guy I'd mentioned that I, I don't think we discussed enough as being a really, really great quarterback is Russell Wilson. And he's, I would consider him a chef as well too. He's constantly having to create because he doesn't have as much help in my opinion on in certain areas that uh, would help their offense even more so. So, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the Tom Brady's and the, and the Drew Brees's and the uh, Peyton Manning's, but, I mean, I, like, I, I enjoy watching um, the Matt Ryans, the the uh, Russ Wilson's, Aaron Rodgers of the world because it's, it's when it, to me, when it comes down to, like, who I want to win football games and who can I trust even more so, I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to trust trust the the baker because i know more than often than not when you know a good defense like mike zimmer you know calls like the perfect defense for that play you can really only trust the chef to be like okay that's this isn't here i need to add a little bit more salt a little bit more uh something to make something out of nothing so i mean like again i know that the perception obviously because of the number of rings or just uh perception of wins and stuff but I think, truly speaking, the, the guys with um, with that chef mentality has really have popped over the last couple of years. And as far as Kirk, I think that's really the one of the few things that's probably holding him back is his lack of creativity. Because I mean, again, there was there was an ample amount of times where Adam Thielen was clearly not the first read, but he would get open so fast, and so would Stephon Diggs. Um, but, you know, the ball might go to either or either one of them or Kyle Rudolph or even sometimes Quan Treadwell. So it's it's so important. And I'm, I'm saying this, obviously, because I equate everything to music and jazz is really, truly having those people who can improvise and and learn how to do it really, really well, because it's 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 so important to, um, I think, really being able to produce a product that, that we can truly be proud of. So I guess I guess the the just the final point I'll put on this one. So what I kind of what I'm hearing you say, Prince, as you as you talk about um, you know Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and their their creativity, both are supremely talented. Both are excellent quarterbacks. Both have been very efficient, almost in spite of their surroundings. But I mean, one could argue that you know, with as talented as they are, especially in the, in the case of Aaron Rodgers. Um, that maybe they should have won more, and it seems as though the ones who the, the, the quarterbacks who are able to win maybe more consistently um, year over year that don't have the 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 yo-yo and the ups and the downs seem to be the ones who are able to operate within the context or the structure of a system. So for a Kirk Cousins, because I don't know necessarily that him becoming a super creative guy at this point in his career is something that we should really be expecting or hoping for, is what we're really I guess then hoping for is that. The, the scheme or the recipe that he needs to follow is one that improves to the point where he is able to operate within the context of that offense and still find the success that we're hoping to see as Vikings fans. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I think some of my skepticism still uh, lies in like not really truly knowing what this offense is going to look like as far as the play calling. Um, and I guess the reason why I'm asking Kurt to be a little bit more creative is I do know that he can operate, um, operate an offense, you know, with a ton of structure, with a ton of help, all that stuff. But I don't know if he can. I'm not saying he needs to change his game so that he becomes completely like 
the dude who's always creating, always um, making magic out of nothing. But the more that he can move his game to um, include those things, I think is only going to allow the offense to get from good to where it needs to be, which is a great offense. Because, I mean, really, you have you have two stud wide receivers that, I mean, you should be able to put up numbers, like efficiency numbers, not, not volume numbers, but you should be able to put up efficiency numbers every game to the point where you can be running an efficient offense and winning you games and making it easier on your defense. So it's it's a matter of like I think he's I think he's already mastered kind of working within the system aspect of the game. I think what needs to happen is Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and all that stuff when they needed to create, they they switched their game from baking to, to being a chef. But for the most part, yes, they operated off of that that um, that Baker mentality because they were they were so deadly already there. And then when it when the the, the situation called for them to be a, a, a chef, they knew how to take their game to that level too. All right, that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. And and I think ultimately, what uh one of the points that Eric made on the Pocket Protectors podcast, which is really the one I think that's the most important and the one that we should really hope for more than anything else, is that. Our offense runs as efficiently and smoothly as it can, and as opposed to expecting, you know, the uh, the comebacks and and all those brilliant plays, is the thing that we bank on is that the offense is good enough that we just blow people out. That you get up big and then let your defense go to work because that's something that's actually bankable. It's repeatable, and the brilliant plays are not really something that you're going to bank on to win over and over and over again. You want a process. You want something repeatable, and so hopefully the entire context of Vikings offense is one that is improved is better so that Kirk is able to do the little things and we're able to still go out there and, and win games. So great discussion there. So we'll keep it moving. And JR, you talked about a little bit of it already in terms of maybe improvising a little bit more. Um, are there any other things that you're looking to see out of Kirk Cousins and his development here in, um, yeah, in this, in this second season as the Vikings starting quarterback, as we, we get things really ramped back up. No, I think this is the number one thing. Let's play in big-time moments. And I think that's what separates some of the elite quarterbacks from some of the good quarterbacks. And we talk about some of the elite guys around the league, like Tom Brady, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, uh, Phillip Rivers. The list goes on and on And some of these elite quarterbacks that you want to name throughout the league and what they all have in common. These guys are able to show up when the moment is the biggest, and they're always up to par when the lights are the brightest. And that's something that Kirk Cousins has really struggled with throughout his career. And yes, he's had some big moments, even going back to his days with the Redskins, but they're just so up and down and bad. Kirk just rears his head uh, too much, too much uh, to see him become more consistent in that area. Okay. All right. Well, that's enough about Kirk. There'll be plenty of times for us to, to wax philosophical about Kirk Cousins as we as we go on. And I'm sure there'll be other pieces written. Arif wrote a really, really good one today talking about the best routes that Kirk Cousins throws relative to other quarterbacks in the NFL. It is at The Athletic. It is behind the paywall. I will link it in the show notes. Check it out if you haven't already. Really great piece. Throws a little bit of a Minneapolis miracle in there if you like that sort of thing. But you should definitely check it out. And it's Arif, so it'll take you a little while. Block out a little bit of time to read it, but it's good for you. Great piece, uh, really talking about what Kirk does best. But I also wanted to, uh, because, you know, we have JR in here, and, you know, for to have JR around, we got to talk a little bit of draft. And it has been a minute. It's been a while since we really dug in uh, to, you know, what the Vikings did this offseason. And most of it was done 
you know, bringing in people in the draft. We brought a bunch of dudes in. And training camp is really, from my perspective, the first time we're really going to get – really start to learn something about these guys. So, JR, if you could – and I know it's the draft, and I know that your your general tendency is to want to to talk a lot about every one of these guys because you did the research on all of them. But could you give us a quick recap of what the Vikings did in this draft, and then give me a, an idea of which rookies you're most interesting to watch as training camp training camp kicks off? Well, I mean, of course, we have to start at the top with Garrett Bradbury. Everyone was hoping that the Vikings selected some type of offensive lineman at the top. And, of course, Bradbury was one of the best interior guys in this entire draft. And the whole debate was whether Elfline would be moved to left guard or where would he be moved if Bradbury would play guard and Elfline would stay at center. So I think they've already gotten that resolved. Everyone's seen Gary Bradbury being the first-team center already in OTAs and you know, offseason, the offseason programs that they have been through. He's been at the center position uh, in the huddle for the first team. Uh, getting that Rappaport with Kirk Cousins already in motion. So a lot of people are excited about him. I'm excited to see how he specifically transitions, and I want to see how well he plays within a division. I think that's going to be a big test for him going against Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Hakeem Hicks, Snack Harrison twice a year. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of tests for him, specifically six games a year within a division. So he's going to get some good run. Early on, the Vikings schedule is very challenging. I believe in week one, they have the Falcons, so he's going to see Grady Jarrett uh, right up the middle, who is a newly paid man, so he's going to be satisfied coming off the ball with a full head of steam as well. So he's going to get his fair share of uh, elite guys along the interior than Irv Smith, and a lot of people are, you know, were questionable about the, or skeptical, I should say, about the Kyle Rudolph extension, especially after the Vikings drafted Irv Smith in the second round. I'm excited to see him come in and just the role that they have for him. And everyone knows that Kevin Stefanski likes uh, employing a lot of 12 personnel. So I think he's going to get a lot of run early on. And do I think he's going to come out and have 500 plus yards receiving as a rookie? I do not, but I think he's going to shine in some spots and we could see him have a 200, 300 yard season. I think that's very fair for him, but he's going to have some, he's going to have some catches down the field that are going to wow you just because of how athletic he is. He didn't test like an upper tier athlete at the combine, but he plays much faster than what he did test. So, I'm excited to see specifically what type of role that they have for him. Uh, Alexander Madison, uh, I'm interested to see exactly what happens with him, especially with Dalvin Cook coming in, uh, or not coming in, I should say, expected to have a bigger role than what he had in years past, and then incorporating this true zone-heavy type of running scheme. I just don't see exactly the type of role that is going to be there for him right now. Uh, So we'll see if he fills in and takes on that Latavius Murray short yardage goal line type of running back, which I think he can be. And then a guy I'm really excited about is Drew Samia. I'm really excited to see exactly what happens with him and how they incorporate him into the rotation, especially if Josh Klein continues to decline at that right guard spot. They throw Drew Samia out there just to see what he can do. And if he ends up taking over that spot, I think that could be a good thing for them, even though they paid Josh Klein like a starter. If he does struggle, I see. I think they would throw Samia out there just to see exactly what he can do and how he can hold up. I mean, he has that tone setter mentality that you like to see uh, across the offensive line. Uh, just going over some late round guys, uh, I'm just going to stick with the receivers, Dylan Mitchell and Ola B.C. Johnson. I'm really excited to see how those guys are incorporated, especially with the wide receiver three spot being wide open and essentially every spot after that as well. I don't know how the depth chart is going to look after Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs manning those two spots. So I'm interested to see exactly if Dylan Mitchell continues to shine like he did in OTAs and if Ola B.C. Johnson can find a role at the back end of that rotation. 
Yeah, and there's one other guy that I wanted to ask you about just because you were kind of excited when they made this pick. Uh, Oli Udo, is he someone that you think might be able to stick around? I think he'll probably be a practice squad guy his first year. Hopefully they can sneak him through the waiver wire and he doesn't get picked up by anybody. Hopefully they can stash him on the practice squad. I think that would be a really good get for them. And he's a guy that, you know, if you can develop him for one to two years, I think he can come in and be that rotational guy, maybe the sixth or seventh man off of the bench, maybe during his third or fourth season. Uh, I do see him maybe eventually being a starter, but that's way down the line just because he has some technical things to work on. All right, last thing here. Last question for you as it pertains to, you know, what's going on in this draft? Because I know you could talk about this until tomorrow if we let you. Uh, Which of these rookies are you most excited about seeing once the pads come on and, and, you know, they really start getting out there and thumping a little bit? From the Vikings class or just in general? Just the Vikings class, yeah. And then if you have somebody in general that you want to throw in as some bonus, we'll take that too. Oh, it's Bradbury without question. And I know offensive line is kind of the boring term, but I just want to see how how he's able to hold up, especially with those guys along the interior that he's going to be facing not only on the Vikings, but like I said, within a division just because he has more of a finesse game, uh, more of an east and west type of style. And that's really how the zone scheme is incorporated. There's more of the east-west lateral movements as opposed to more vertical movements up the field and he's going to be facing some true penetrators uh, in the NFC North so I just want to see how he's able to hold up yeah and with a guy like Bradbury because I feel like we talk about his um his run blocking a lot and his fit in the run game and the zone blocking and all that with a player like Bradbury playing center coming in uh what is it technically that he is going to need to work on the most to really improve his his pass blocking as you said he's going to be playing against some some monsters in there um, across the interior in division and starting off with a pretty tough matchup with Atlanta. It's his lower body strength. I think he's, I wouldn't say weak there, but he's very subpar. And you saw it at the senior bowl. He really struggled a bit, but he really came into his own during the second and third day of practices. It really takes him a little while to get going as a pass protector, just because he's not used to anchoring or guys being so fast moving vertically up the field on him. That's just not really his game. Power isn't his thing. And finesse, he's more of a finesse type of blocker and a guy that likes to beat you to spots. He's really good at getting to his angles, and he wins with leverage and being able to beat guys to certain spots. So facing guys like Grady Jarrett and Snacks Harrison and uh, Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark, I'm really interested to see what happens with that. And even going against Linval Joseph every day in practice, another guy that can be a pocket pusher, especially in the A-gaps, I think is gonna only only going to help him get better. That's awesome. And last thing on, ba- on Bradbury, if you had a player comp for him, who who would be the player that we're hoping he turns out like if we're, if we're Vikings fans? What's the one everybody's been using before the draft, and I love it, is Jason Kelsey. I think that's the perfect comparison for him. And if he does end up being that, that would be awesome for the Vikings. Now, is he going to have that type of ceiling coming in from day one? I don't think so. But when we look back on this draft, I think three to four years from now, we could say, man, he really was worthy of a first-round selection. And I know we hate taking interior offensive linemen that early, but we needed a guy at that spot because – Pat Elfline has really just become a name in the sense that he's still kind of living off his reputation from Ohio State just because he hasn't been a very good player so far. And this is a big year for him going into year three, but sliding him back over to his left guard spot that he had a lot of success with during his junior and senior years at Ohio State. And now bringing in Bradbury, I think it essentially, I don't want to say it's creating two questionable marches because you have a rookie and a guy you're hoping can return back to form. But I think you have two young guys that have a lot of promise and you're hoping for the best. Awesome. Awesome. And Yinka, from your perspective, I know we let JR go for a little while here, but uh, yeah, who uh, 
who are you looking to see? Which of these rookies are you most excited about seeing as training camp gets kicked off here in just a little bit? And uh, yeah, I guess if, there, if there's anyone else, I guess, that you want to talk about around the league that you're interested in, but, you know, mostly Vikings we want to hear about. Yeah, who are you interested in seeing come training camp time? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been really excited about Irv Smith Jr. Um, I, I, I do want to see what he can bring to the table. I do want to see that he um, can really be that uh, Kyle Rudolph replacement and or just Kyle Rudolph compliment until he's, you know, maybe he's moving on and whatnot. Uh, so, and I do think he's going to bring another dimension to the offense um, just because the Vikings, you know, I, we talked about it enough times where last year they really, they really missed that third option um, to really take pressure away from Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. Um, so I, I am really excited to see Irv Smith and see what he can bring, you know, yards after the catch. I know that's, that's a big part of his game. And then another, another guy, I mean, it's, you know, it's me. So I have to be excited about, uh, the Alex, Alex, uh, Mattinson, uh, just because, uh, I, I know that we don't know how, uh, how healthy Delvin cook is right now. Um, as well as it's just really nice to have, you know, two backs who really just, maybe complement each other as well as two guys that you can kind of play off and, you know, uh, enable us to have, you know, much more unique formations and like really creative things that Stefanski can uh, to do with the offense. And so as, as well as Kubiak as well, too. Um, so I'm really excited to see those top two, two guys. Um, I think the Bradbury pick, you know, I was just kind of with it, but I mean, if he does end up becoming our track, uh, uh, Kelsey, then you know it's Jason Kelsey, Jason. not Travis. Yeah. No, I know I was about to say Travis, but I stopped myself <laughs> from saying it. Um, you know, if he becomes that, then you know we are we are we're happy with that fact, considering uh, you know the offensive line has been more of a thorn than it has been a rose in our in uh, for this team. So those those two picks, I'm excited for a second and third round picks, and uh, you know I'm hoping that this. Uh, elevates the Vikings offense to a level that we needed it to be at for uh, for last couple seasons. All right. Well, last thing here, and, and before we, we move along, just need to let the listeners know our man JR had to step away. As we said, he is a very busy man. He stays multitasking. And so duty called, he had to step away, but it's one more question to go. And I feel like Yinka can hold this one down. Yinka, give me the name of a veteran player who could surprise us this upcoming season? So I would say maybe Ant Harris was that for us last season. Who was a veteran that everyone's going to be talking about next off season that we just really weren't thinking about when the season got kicked off? Yeah, I've kind of uh, I've kind of been back and forth a little bit with with this, um, and I think my answer is going to be one of the guys in the secondary. Um, I, I've tossed around a few names. Um, I don't know if it's really be a surprise if we see a huge season from Harrison Smith, so I won't go that route. Um, I think I think the person to watch out for is exact is Xavier Rhodes. I think he has at times he's been that shutdown corner we've always needed him to be, and then you know injuries get in the way and stuff. But there's just something that's been, you know, after really watching you know that that thing that he did on uh, NFL Network where, you know, he just kind of broke down, you know, some of the best uh, wide receivers that are out there and some of the things that he's doing to take away things from wide receivers. You really truly understood how uh, how much of the mental side of the game that he's really just evolved and become a leader. Um, so I wanted to see this season really be paired with his physical traits, which are, are fantastic. 
So I would not be surprised if we are talking about how well of a season Anto- or not Antonio Brown, but uh, Xavier Rhodes had um, this this season. And I and I think the Vikings defense really is going to need him to have that kind of season. So um, I think he's going to surprise as well as I think it's going to be like, well, yeah, we definitely needed that. Awesome. I will take that. And uh, yeah, if, if, you know, with as important as coverage is to the success of, of every defense, but especially Zim's defense, uh, yeah, if Rhodes can halt the decline, because that's the thing that you worry about with the nagging injuries, him getting older, him being a bigger player, uh, sometimes those guys can fall off a cliff. So if he's the guy that, that, that bounces back and ends up, you know, playing like the guy that we remember, uh, I think we'll all be uh, very happy with the way this season played out for us, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, that's it. That's all. Prince, thanks for being on time, making the time. Jair is not here, but we thank him anyway for coming on and dropping that wonderful analysis that uh, that we all love so much. Listeners, thank you so much for uh, riding with the, the Climbing the Pocket Network as we roll now through uh, our, our, our second week of doing this thing. We are well over 10,000 downloads in our first couple weeks here with uh, the Daily Norseman. And, uh, yeah, we have all of you to thank for all of that. So uh, if you're still liking what you're hearing, please make sure you're subscribed, rate, review the pod, tell your friends and family to do likewise because we're only getting started. We have a lot more planned, bigger and better as the season gets rolling along. We're going to have some folks on site for training camp to get some interviews and things like that on the books for you. So uh, really excited to be part of this bigger team, really excited to bring you daily Vikings coverage from a host of different uh, groups of people with different opinions, different ways of looking at the game, analytics, tape, Saxy Prince bringing in the musical analogies, CTP's grandpa division at Good Morning Gallahorn coming in and doing their things, Scolgers, Flip, all that for you guys every day, really as we move forward. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah, that's it. That's all. We will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.